Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. What a blessing. And the talents and gifts that God gives to his people are for the body of Christ, are they not? And we are to share them. And so thank you for sharing that ministry with us this evening. I'd like to share with you a little ministry that God gave me two years ago when I prayed and asked that God would give me something a little different, something a little out of the ordinary, in an effort to get biblical truth into the hearts of people. And so in 2015, I ended up under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way I can describe it, writing 160 poems of biblical truth and ended up at the end of one year having produced eight little books and eight CDs of biblical truth in rhyme. And we have had the most amazing testimonies back from people who have been blessed either putting the CDs in their cars or I have several folk who are elderly, some who are visually impaired, who listen to these CDs almost every day. And I had a businessman call me and say that uh, I've had uh, a six-hour journey today and I've learned more biblical truth today than in years of going to church. I have a friend who started giving the CDs of Psalms to Jewish friends and directors of companies. And uh, when he was married and I had the privilege of doing his wedding, he gave every man who attended the wedding and the reception a CD. That gave us the idea of putting the Psalms that I had freely paraphrased and put into rhyme into a different book and CD with a bit of a Jewish flavor so that they could be used in Jewish evangelism. I'm sure you know that God is not through with the Jews yet and that one day we look forward to a restoration of the true Israel of God when Jews in great numbers will turn to Yeshua recognizing him as their Messiah and their Lord and the natural branch that has been, as it were, taken out of the olive tree, as Paul explains in Romans 9 through 11, will be grafted back where it belongs. And we look forward to that day. And so there are ways in which God is able to use these CDs and books that have the word copies. And uh, these are $5 each. That's cost price, so there's no profit involved here. But... Um, if you would like to use them uh, or enjoy them yourself, then uh, please feel free. They're up at the front here, and Bonnie and Cindy will help you at the end if you'd like to take one or at least just take a little brochure and uh, see what one or two people who are fairly significant in the body of Christ have had to say about this particular ministry. So uh, thank you for the freedom uh, to be able to mention that and uh, I trust that those may be a blessing to you. Shall we bow together in prayer? Our gracious God and loving Heavenly Father, we praise you that you so loved the world that you gave your one and only Son so that believing in him, people would not perish 
but have everlasting life. We thank you for the joy that we can experience this evening as children of God. We thank you for that celebration within our hearts that we experience when we hear this kind of music, when we hear the words of songs and hymns, when we're able to share together in the richness that you have given to the body of Christ, your church on earth. Best of all, we thank you for your presence with us. And we ask that once again this evening as we gather together, that Lord Jesus, you would stand among us in your risen power and let this time of worship be a hallowed hour. Breathe your Holy Spirit into every heart, but the fears and sorrows from each soul depart so that with enlivened footsteps we'll pursue our way, waiting for the dawning of that eternal day. We turn our eyes upon Jesus and pray that in these moments the things of the earth will grow strangely dim and that this night will indeed be a fresh encounter with the risen Jesus and that you would meet us at the point of our need as you see it. We ask these mercies in the name of Christ our Savior. And all God's people agreed with this prayer and said, Amen. Amen. Turn in your Bible, please, to the Acts of the Apostles. And I'm going to just uh, read a few selected verses from the Acts of the Apostles. Surely, in a way, the most exciting book in the New Testament in the entire Bible. Luke, as you know, I'm sure gives us his history of mission in two parts. Part one is his gospel, and it has the acts of the earthly Christ. Part two is called the acts, but in actual fact, in reality, it is the acts of the heavenly Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in his church on earth. And that's part two of Luke's history of mission that is given to us in the New Testament. And so open your Bible with me at Luke chapter one. This evening our theme is the visible signs of spiritual health and see how they pop up as we read the scriptures together this evening. There is nothing more powerful than the Word of God, amen? The Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so let's hear the Word of God together. The words of Jesus before his ascension where he says to his disciples in verse five of Acts chapter one, for John, that is John the Baptist, baptized in water, but in a few days, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Over to chapter two and verse one. When the day of Pentecost, and as you know, Pentecost was one of the Jewish festivals that was to be observed annually, all of the feasts of the Lord in the Old Testament point to Yeshua, 
the Lord Jesus Christ. And this particular festival, which now finds its fulfillment in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God upon his people, was called Pentecost, Pentecostos, because it occurred 50 days after the resurrection of Jesus. As you know, he appeared over a period of 40 days after his resurrection, and then there were 10 days from the time of his ascension to the time of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God upon the believing community in Jerusalem. And we read about that now. It must have been like a jumbo jet settling in the house. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Notice, came from heaven. Revival, spiritual renewal, comes from heaven. Sometimes we call an evangelistic series a revival. In actual fact, revival with a capital R is a work of God the Holy Spirit in the lives of his people. Only God can accomplish that. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. These people who were locked behind closed doors for fear of Jewish persecution now spilled out onto the streets of Jerusalem the sound was heard by literally thousands of Jews who had gathered for this pilgrim feast of Pentecost in Jerusalem, who heard the sound and then saw these people coming out of this house, moving towards the temple precincts and praising God with all of their hearts. They had gathered from countries all around Israel for the feast and they were praising God in languages so that people from those countries were able to understand how they were extolling the mighty works of God. Some people thought they were drunk. Peter, the spokesman for the twelve or the hundred and twenty as they were now, stood up probably on the temple steps where thousands could gather before him and hear his message. And he explained, these people are not drunk as you, you suppose, but this is the fulfillment of what Joel the Hebrew prophet said, in the last days God declares, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And we come to the crux, the climax, the highlight of Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost. And we look at that in verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life. And we're all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Verse 36. Therefore, 
Let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are afar off, for all whom the Lord our God will call, and hallelujah, that includes you and me tonight. God is still calling people into fellowship with Jesus, and all who are called into fellowship with Jesus experience the new birth that is wrought by the Holy Spirit, and they become part of the worldwide eternal family of God, indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God, who equips and empowers them to be followers of Jesus and to complete his work that he has left behind. Verse 40, with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Now listen, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Almost all Jews or proselytes to Judaism. And notice what happened. Here come some of the visible signs of spiritual renewal, of real revival, heaven-sent revival, a sovereign work of a gracious God. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All of the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, it would be wonderful if we could go right through this book. The acts of the heavenly Christ by the power of his Holy Spirit at work in the believing community. The history of mission, part two. And the great reality of that is that the story is still being written. It's an unfinished book. It'll only be finished when Jesus comes again. Do we need to say more? We spoke this morning about the vital signs of spiritual health a deep hunger to know God himself more intimately, a definite sense of progress in your walk with the Lord, 
a delightful assurance that God is answering prayer, a discernment about God's plan for your life, and a dedication to see spiritual desire overcoming sensual demands. These vital signs of spiritual health in our lives will soon begin to manifest invisible signs to others. This morning we looked at the Old Testament example of Moses. This evening then we look at the New Testament example of the early church. The visible signs of spiritual health are everywhere to be seen practically in the Acts of the Apostles and they were, they're everywhere to be studied personally in the epistles. It's all about how to live a healthy, normal Christian life. No doubt you already picked up several of these in our Bible readings, and we could do an entire series of sermons on the visible signs of spiritual health. But in our limited time this evening, let me highlight just three. Just three visible signs of spiritual health, of real spiritual renewal. Are you ready? They kind of leap out at you as you read the book of Acts and the epistles, and here they are. Number one, an unmistakable devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. An unmistakable devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ that governs, motivates, controls every part of our lives. The second visible sign of spiritual health is an undeniable dynamic from the Holy Spirit of God. An undeniable dynamic from the Holy Spirit of God. The fullness, the power, the control of the third person of the triune Godhead, the blessed Holy Spirit. And the third visible sign of spiritual health and true spiritual renewal is an unshakable dedication to the great commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our time, our talents, our treasures, our energies expended on one overriding passion, and that is to make disciples who will make disciples, who will make disciples, who will make disciples. Is this what people in this church are experiencing? Is this what the world outside is seeing in the members of Boiling Springs Baptist Church? Let's look at the first one. An unmistakable devotion to Jesus Christ as Lord. Look at your Bible in the book of Acts. The moment the disciples are baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus on the day of Pentecost, the fires of devotion to Jesus spread. The 120 disciples become 3,120 in a day. Now that's church growth for you, isn't it? And in the days that follow, we read in Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What does that mean for us tonight? 
It means it's all here in the Bible. The first visible sign of spiritual health is that God's people love the Word of God written in Holy Scripture. They come to recognize that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, and they fall in love with the Bible. And first thing every day is to get up and have time with God in the Scriptures so that they can hear the voice of God coming clearly through the Word of God. Devoted to the Lordship of Jesus revealed in Holy Scripture. When you're spiritually healthy, you cannot stop reading the Bible. Secondly, the fellowship of the believers. Fellowship in the body of Christ, the community of true believers is an evidence of spiritual health. Fellowship in ministry to the Lord, ministry to the body, and ministry to the world. That fellowship is more precious than anything else in the community of believers. When you're spiritually healthy, come hell or high water, you will not be able to stay away from the gathering of God's people despite their faults and weaknesses, and despite your own. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for the church. The church is the hope of the world, and the church that is healthy will love Christ with all of its heart and love the assembly of the people of God. And then the breaking of bread, commemorating the death of Christ. When you are spiritually healthy, you will faithfully and regularly come to the table of the Lord. And then prayer, they devoted themselves continually to prayer. When you are spiritually healthy, you will continue steadfastly in prayer. Communion with God is like breathing. If you see me walking around Boiling Springs or through the campus of uh, Gardner Webb, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm pleading with God every day in my prayer walks here in Boiling Springs. As I walk through the community and through this picturesque, and beautiful locality that God would do a brand new work in the faculty and in the student body of Gardner Webb. I am praying that God will encounter the people in the suburbs and in the community. I love walking with God, literally. And so if you see me walking around, I haven't gone off my mind or gone crazy. It's just that I believe with all of my heart that if you are spiritually healthy, your communion with God is something that is natural as breathing. They devoted themselves 
to prayer. It's just a sign of spiritual health. And then they gave. They gave to everyone who needed help. Beloved, the world has not been evangelized yet because by and large, God's people are spiritually sick. If God's people brought the full tithe into his storehouse, which is the local church, and if the local church had its priorities right, I read in an article the other day, and I cannot vouch for its accuracy, but I was amazed to read this statistic, that if Christians in the United States tithe their income faithfully to the Lord, and if individuals and churches had their priorities right, one billion dollars would go into world mission every year. Does that astound you? It astounded me because you see, over the last year, my heart has been literally broken. To see people like Bonnie Dowdy, to see missionaries that we have known for years, that the International Mission Board has sent to Central Africa and to Southern Africa, and to realize that in a period of about a year, something like 11 100 Southern Baptist missionaries have returned to the United States. Has God suddenly grown poorer? Or is it simply that God's people have not been obedient to the Lord? Because as Hudson Taylor said a long time ago, as a wonderful example of a missionary. And I just happen to believe with all my heart that what he said is true. God's work done in God's way will never lack for God's supply. Do you think you can say amen to that? God's work done in God's way will never lack for God's supply. Our little church has only been going five years. We've grown from 20 to 140. I draw a salary of less than $1,000 a month. And I'm quite satisfied with that. And 25% of our gross income goes straight into world mission to reach the, gospel, the, the nations with the gospel. The church that I pastored for 23 years, we reached about 40 to 50% of gross income that went directly into mission and sending missionaries to the field. It's simply a sign of spiritual health 
God's people love to give. In fact, healthy Christians and healthy churches give liberally and sacrificially and joyfully to the work of the Lord. Amen. The original Greek word indicates that they do it with hilarity. It's like giving time is party time. Then, ooh, ooh, here comes the offering plate again. Our text says, with glad and sincere hearts, they never stopped praising God. And they gave and gave and gave. And you can never outgive God. The Macedonian churches, the Apostle Paul said, out of their extreme poverty, welled up in rich generosity. And some of the poorest churches in the New Testament were the most generous and the most blessed when it came to mission and being on mission with God. They never stopped praising God. And so here's the next visible sign of spiritual health. Praise is simply spiritual health made audible. That's all it is. Praise is simply spiritual health made audible. Every time you read about people being filled with the Holy Spirit, you will see there is audible praise to the Lord. It's a sign of spiritual health. Paul and Silas are beaten and put into prison and fastened to the stocks. And at midnight, with their bodies black and blue and bruised and bleeding, they're singing hymns, praising God. It's just a sign of spiritual health. Rejoice in the Lord. Again I will say it, says Paul from prison, beaten and bound in a Philippian jail. And at midnight, they're singing hymns. And then the spiritual health of the early believers is seen visibly in great boldness. When they were persecuted, they didn't pray for safety. They didn't even pray for deliverance. When we were in the thick of a civil war in Rhodesia, in 1990s, 1990 through to 1980, and our people were getting killed every day. I would say to our people, the main thing here is not our safety. God will take care of that if he wants to. The main thing here is to be filled with boldness, to take every opportunity that God gives us to bear witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. And people did that. Thirteen missionaries in the Eastern Highlands, gunned down by terrorists. 
supplied with ammunition and weapons from North Korea. But they died praising God and bearing witness to the good news about Jesus Christ. Great boldness. These are the visible signs of spiritual health. Great grace, great giving, great praise, great fellowship, great prayer, great boldness. When they saw the boldness and courage of the apostles who endured scorn, ridicule, and persecution, they were astonished and took note of these people that they had been with Jesus. An unmistakable devotion to Jesus Christ. That's the first visible sign of spiritual health. Amen? We take our stand for Jesus unashamed. Stephen is martyred because of his unmistakable devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. But he dies with a vision of Jesus waiting to welcome him into heaven. And he kneels down as being, he's being stoned to death and he, he prays, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit and do not lay the sin to their charge. And Saul, his persecutor, released by Stephen's prayer of forgiveness. Remember, Jesus said, receive the Holy Spirit. Whoever sins you remit, they will be remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they will be retained. What, is, what you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And dying Stephen releases Saul and his persecutors in prayer. It's just a matter of time before Saul of Tarsus bites the dust in an encounter with Jesus Christ. And what happens? His life is transformed. Every day it becomes a visible, living demonstration of what it means to be wholly and solely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ. Beaten unmercifully, flogged five times, stoned, starved, shipwrecked, shivering, naked, mugged. He says, and I quote, to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live yet, not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in this body, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. Paul, a servant, a love slave of Jesus Christ to the church at Rome. Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ. Paul, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker. Am I coming through? The first visible sign of spiritual health is a wholehearted, total devotion 
to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Secondly, an undeniable dynamic from the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus said, you will receive power, dunamis, dynamite, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. John the baptizer, the herald of Jesus, had compared his baptism with that of Jesus who was to come, saying, there comes one after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. I indeed baptize you in water unto repentance. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And before his ascension, as we read, Jesus reiterates the promise, not many days now, and you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll be my witnesses from where you stay to the ends of the earth. And from the day of Pentecost onwards, in the life of every believer that we read about, in the acts of the heavenly Christ through the power of His Spirit at work in His church on earth, what we're reading about is the undeniable dynamic of the Holy Spirit of God. Even way back in the Old Testament when the nation was crumbling around him, the Hebrew prophet Micah said, as for me, I'm filled with power by the Spirit of God. He wasn't bragging. He was simply stating a fact that when you are spiritually healthy, no matter what your circumstances, you are filled with power by the Holy Spirit of God. But Pentecost meant that that experience, reserved primarily for individuals here and there, or for prophets, priests, and kings in the Old Testament, was now going to be the experience of every single believer in the new covenant relationship with God through Jesus Christ, who died giving his last will and testament, sealing it in his blood, and saying that the promise of the Father is going to be yours in a few days' time. And I don't have to remind you, their lives were totally transformed. How? By being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Do you know what the problem is with the average Baptist? They got lost somewhere between Calvary and Pentecost. And that's a tragedy. The normal Christian life is to be filled, equipped, controlled, counseled, taught, enabled by the Holy Spirit of God. It's a visible sign of spiritual health. The Holy Spirit reproduces in us, when we're spiritually healthy, the life and character of Jesus. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control.
the fruit of the Holy Spirit is for character. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are for service. And every single member of the body of Christ is gifted for service. I was raised in good British tradition in the British colony of southern Rhodesia. And so when we sat down at table as kids, we had to put our napkin in the right place. And that was right here. And that meant we're ready to be served. And the problem with the average Christian, especially in the first world today, is that that's their attitude of Christianity. I'm here to be served. And Jesus said, that's actually not the picture. The picture's more like this. We are here to serve, not to be served. And so you can always tell a spiritually healthy Christian and a spiritually healthy church. It is characterized by the operation of the grace gifts of God, where every believer is gifted by God the Holy Spirit for ministry to the Lord, ministry to the church, and ministry to the world. That's what healthy spiritual life is all about. The new covenant promise of God is the Holy Spirit dwelling within God's people, giving them everything they need to be what God wants them to be and to do what God wants them to do. That's normal Christianity. That's a visible sign of spiritual health, an unmistakable dynamic that comes from the Holy Spirit of God. After they had prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit of God and spoke the Word of God boldly. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit, and his opposition could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by which he spoke. Ephesians 5.18 is the visible evidence of spiritual health in the individual, in the church, in the marriage, in the family, in the workplace, in the world. It's all there. The Apostle Paul says, Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery but be filled and controlled with the Holy Spirit. When a person is drunk, having consumed too much alcohol, that person, as you know, behaves unnaturally, naturally. When a person is filled with the Holy Spirit of God, that person behaves supernaturally, naturally. Because real Christianity is Christ's life being imparted through the Holy Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit, the character of Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit enabling the ministry 
of Jesus. It's the second visible sign of spiritual health. And the Apostle Paul says, be filled with the Spirit constantly, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody to the Lord with all of your heart, always and in everything, giving thanks to God the Father through Him, being subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, love your husbands and be submissive to them as to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Employees, make sure that you treat your em employers, make sure that you treat your employees correctly. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. The whole of Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 18 onwards is simply the visible display of what it means to be spiritually healthy. To be truly filled with the Holy Spirit and controlled by Him affects the community of believers in the local church where we are subject to one another out of reverence for Christ. It affects the marriage where the husband-wife relationship is a reflection of the presence of Jesus and the love of Christ for his church. And the family unit is God's basic unit to show the entire society and the world what God's plan is for the family, where children are raised up in the Lord. And the workplace is where Christian witness is displayed by the way employers treat their employees and the way in which employees treat their boss. And so every dimension of life, the Christian life, is shown to be spiritually healthy through the dynamism of the Holy Spirit of Jesus in the life of the believer. Amen. My friends, the world out there hasn't rejected Jesus. It just hasn't seen Jesus as he is supposed to be revealed by the church, which is his body on earth. There are multitudes of people out there who have never rejected Jesus. They've simply rejected the ecclesiastical cocoon that is purporting to house Jesus and be his representative in the world. And if you're, you're spiritually healthy, your heart is crying out tonight to God and saying, Jesus, be Jesus in me. No longer I, but Thee. Resurrection power, fill me this hour. Oh, Jesus, be Jesus in me. The healthy Christian walks in the Spirit, is led by the Spirit, is empowered by the Spirit, is gifted by the Spirit, is counseled and comforted and taught by the Holy Spirit. What does that look like in practical terms? It looks like Jesus. 
Take the Holy Spirit out of Acts and you don't have any Acts worth talking about. Brothers and sisters, nothing of eternal worth is done except by the Spirit of Jesus at work in the lives of his people. Are you a Spirit-controlled believer? Am I? Or are you controlled by your own self-oriented agenda? And a desperate world is longing to see Christ. An unmistakable devotion to the Lordship of Jesus, an undeniable dynamic from the Holy Spirit, and thirdly, an unshakable dedication to the great commission of our Lord. Jesus said before his ascension, you shall receive power, the Holy Spirit coming upon you, and when that happens, you'll be my witnesses from where you stay to the ends of the earth. Every Christian should study every aspect of the great commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. Simply put, God's last word through Jesus ought to be our first concern. It is a commission given to every Christian to share the good news about Jesus with others, who he is and what he has accomplished, salvation for us through his substitutionary death on the cross and his triumphant resurrection. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Only Jesus saves. And so Matthew shows us at the end of his gospel that it is a disciple-making, church-planting commission. Mark shows us at the end of his gospel it is a global commission. We have to take the gospel to the whole world. Luke shows us that it is a gospel commission. We have to explain the truths that cluster around the cross and around the empty tomb and the necessity for repentance and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The content is important. When I was at high school, I had the joy of participating in four Gilbert and Sullivan light operas. And one of the characters in those sings these words, and I won't sing them, but here they are. If you're anxious for to shine in the high aesthetic line as a man of culture rare, you must gather all the terms of the transcendental, germs of the transcendental terms and scatter them everywhere. You must lie among the daisies and discourse in novel phrases of your complicated state of mind. And the meaning doesn't matter if it's only idle chatter of a transcendental kind. And everyone will say as you walk your mystic way, well, if this young man expresses himself in terms too deep for me, what a singularly deep young man this deep young man must be. The meaning doesn't matter if it's only idle chatter of a transcendental kind. My friends, when it comes to the gospel, the meaning matters. It matters desperately. And every single Christian 
ought to be able to share their faith in a way that intelligently shares the gospel of Jesus Christ. And every single Christian ought to be able to know how to lead others to Christ and to disciple them. John's version of the commission gives us the cost of the Great Commission. The risen Jesus appears to his disciples, shows them his hands and his side, and says, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And Luke gives to us the strategy and the dynamism of the Great Commission in Acts 1.8 when he shows that the Holy Spirit enables us to move out in concentric circles with the gospel from where we stay to the ends of the earth. Jesus said he will only return when the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached to all the people groups of the earth. We could have done it long ago. We could do it in one generation if God's people were obedient to the great commission of Jesus Christ. Teaching others who can teach others also. As you go into your world, make disciples. Jesus is to be taken to every people group on earth. It's not a good idea. It's an invitation. But it's more than an invitation. It is an imperative. It is a clear command of Jesus to be on mission with God, every single Christian. It's a sign, a visible sign of spiritual health. Sharing the good news with others. Whenever God gives you the opportunity. Joining God in his ministry of redemption to a lost and dying humanity. My friend, if you don't evangelize, you will fossilize. And God doesn't want a church full of fossils. As we see from the Acts of the Apostles, the third visible sign of spiritual health is a passion, a passion to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with lost people. How can you tell when Christians and churches are spiritually sick? They are caught up with trivial diversions and tragic divisions. Trivial diversions, things like budgets and buildings and programs instead of taking the gospel of Jesus to the nations. And sometimes tragic divisions. And Jesus is still praying at the Father's right hand that his people may be one as he and the Spirit and the Son
are one. But local churches build their little kingdoms, often in competition with each other. And Christians move from one Christian assembly to another at the drop of a hat, simply because they like the preacher, or like the music, or like the style. And it often has absolutely nothing to do with obedience to the last word of Jesus, to make disciples who will make disciples who will make disciples. And the First World Church is made up largely of Christians living in a comfort zone, entertaining themselves to death, pursuing health, wealth, and happiness instead of taking up their cross and following Jesus. And churches are full of young adults and midlife Christians who are wasting their lives on what Dr. John Piper calls fatal success, the goal of fatal success. Healthy Christians recognize that they're not their own. They were bought with a price. So they live to glorify God alone by a life of obedience to the Great Commission. They go into their world day by day with an all-consuming passion to make disciples. You don't have to go too far these days. Globalization and migration have brought the nations to our doorstep, no matter where we live in the world. You'll find the nations represented just a few doors down from where you live. These are the signs, the visible signs of spiritual health. They come right out of the Bible. Number one, an unmistakable devotion to Jesus Christ. Number two, an undeniable dynamic from the Holy Spirit of God. And number three, an unshakable, unswerving dedication to play our part in the fulfillment of the Great Commission of our Lord Jesus Christ. And to the extent that individual Christians and churches are on mission with God, to that extent they will see the kingdom of God advanced and the power of God released. God does amazing things, doesn't he? When you're just willing to get on your knees and devote yourself fully to Christ and to trust him to do his own work in his own way. I think of a Dutch couple who arrived with a few kids and a few suitcases and said, God has called us to work among the street children in the Cape Town area and to work particularly among children who are either infected or affected by HIV and AIDS. And so the Browers got to work out of the local church base 
where I was privileged to be pastor. And today, Beautiful Gate Ministries, multi-million dollar ministries are spreading through Africa and bringing hope to children and parents and lost people who otherwise would be hopeless. A young couple came into our church, said, God has given us a vision to begin with Youth with a Mission, a media village training center in Cape Town. I'll never forget the morning when Grandpa Moten came down in response to the invitation at the end, leant on my shoulder, heavily burdened, and said, Pastor, we need 22 million rands for Media Village. And God gave me a word of knowledge. And I said, Graham, the 22 million is no problem to the Lord. The problem is simply are your lives wholly adjusted to God? Because there is no limit, as Henry Blackaby says, there is no limit to what God can do through just one person who's wholly aligned to Him. We had a leadership meeting that Thursday evening, and in burst Graham for Merton saying, sorry, I don't usually interrupt a leadership meeting, but the Lord has just supplied a donor who is giving 22 million rand for the development of Media Village. And our youngest son, Derek, who now has his own production house, is one of scores and scores of people who have now been trained through Media Village in Cape Town. I had an intern. I'm so glad you keep on getting interns. The joy of my life is to mentor interns and to release them into ministry, mission. And uh, we had an intern, and he worked with us in our children and youth ministries, Rochefenvake. And then we helped sponsor him to Wheaton College. And he came back and he took over a little ministry in Kailicha. How many people in Kailicha now, Bunny? About a million and a half people in this township, this African township bordering Cape Town. And uh, he took this over from an elderly gentleman who'd started it just a few years before and we'd supplied a few sewing machines and things for skills training and development in the heart of Kailicha, which means sweet home in Corsa. And Rochef and Vek came back and he took over that work. And I think Bob may maybe knows it as well as Learn to Earn. Their slogan, a hand up not a handout. And today it's one of the finest examples of a skills training center in South Africa. And scores and scores of people 
who otherwise had no skill and often no hope whatsoever, have not only been skilled but come to Christ and are holding down significant positions through the training they've had at Learn to Earn. And so it could go on. God brought into our fellowship a couple, he an ex-convict prisoner, Jeremy Clayton, Jonathan Clayton, and he together with his wife head up Hope Prison Ministry. And we have on our doorstep basically Paulsmore Prison with seven to 8,000 people behind bars. And under Jonathan and Jennifer's ministry, we have a team of 170 volunteers who every week have free access to Paulsmore Prison. And the Bible Way Correspondence Course is headed up by a group of people in the church where I had the privilege of pastoring. And correctional services have a program. And that program is being conducted most effectively by Christian workers in the prisons. And we have had the joy of seeing prisoners not only converted to Christ and trained to lead others to Christ, but who have gone back after their release to work with her prison ministry. My friend, I've had the privilege of seeing with my own eyes as weak and insignificant and ineffective as I am, I have learned that God has a place for weak and ordinary people like me and like you in his kingdom. And if we'll only get our priorities right, there is no limit to what God can do. The visible signs of spiritual health, an unmistakable devotion to the Lordship of Jesus. an amazing ministry of the Holy Spirit who does his work and a commitment to the great commission of Jesus. I close with this. Dr. John Piper cites in his little book, I, I'm sure you've read it, but if you haven't, you need to. It's entitled, Don't Waste Your Life. And he cites the February 1998 edition of Reader's Digest, which tells about a couple who took early retirement from their jobs in the Northeast here in 1993. He was 59 and she was 51. And now they live in Ponta Gorda in Florida, where they cruise on their 30-foot trawler, play softball, and collect shells. And John Piper said, at first when I read it, I thought it might be a joke a spoof on the American dream. But it wasn't. Tragically, this was the American dream. Come to the end of your life, 
your one and only precious God-given life and let the last great work of your life before you give an account to your Creator be this, playing softball and collecting shells. Picture them before Christ at the Day of Judgment. Look, Lord, see my shells. That is a tragedy. And people today are spending billions of dollars to persuade you to embrace that tragic, tragic dream. And over against that, says John Piper, I put my protest. Don't buy it. Don't waste your life. Only one life it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Amen? Let's pray. I'm not sure if the Lord has spoken to your heart tonight. I know He has spoken to the depth of my being as I have prayed and prepared this message for this evening. And I believe the Holy Spirit is so faithful and that despite the inadequacy of the messenger, the message is something the Holy Spirit faithfully takes and applies to each of our hearts if we let him. Are these signs of visible health, visible spiritual health, evident in your life, evident to others, visible to others, day by day? A wholehearted devotion to the Lord Jesus, an unmistakable, dynamic, of the Holy Spirit of God and an unshakable commitment to obey the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ. A true preacher will always preach for a verdict. What is your verdict tonight? Will you say and sing in the words of our closing hymn, Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. Shall we stand and sing? If you'd like to respond by leaving your seat and coming to the front, maybe just to kneel and pray. Or if you'd like counsel or help or like to share something with the preacher, then please feel free to come forward. Let's allow the Holy Spirit of God to have His way in our lives tonight. Amen?
and boiling springs will never be the same again. Let's stand and sing. <laughs>